Welcome to another episode of Iconis Podcast. I go by the name of DJ Rod C. Welcome in. Hope you had a great day. Listen, we're going to have some great fun today, but I got I can't do this alone. I got to introduce somebody. I got to introduce, you know, my partner in crime, my best pal, my buddy, my cousin. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Barry 3D. Barry. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's Barry 3D here. Like usual, I'm in the Iconis podcast. Thank you so much, Rod. We Okay, there's a reason. Okay, we oh, see. Okay, let me. You know, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I'd like to make a public announcement. This is a public service announcement. Um, I'd like to give you the uh, forewarning that we are about to go deep into this subject. and we And I apologize in advance for what you're about to hear. We're going to get some good information about the Iconist podcast. It's about, I won't say like I normally do, but he will. So I'm just saying, strap in. We're going in deep. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I held it as long as I could. I'm so sorry. We're we going to be talking about what, Barry? Who are we going to talk about? Today on the Iconist podcast, we are going to talk about the Micronauts. They came from inner space. First and Ladies and gentlemen, he just started. He just started. We didn't even get to that part, and that is going in. Buckle up. We're going in. Uh, First and foremost, I know I kind of jumped the gun, all right? So first and foremost, my voice is going. You see, you see, I'm trying to contain the, the I'm getting choked with, okay. First and foremost. So I mean, here we go. The man is making the man. We got to give a round of table a shout out. Thank you so much, Rod, for introducing the show because I'm having problems. without exploding myself. All right, here we go. So first and foremost, if you got to go and buy anything, you got to go and check out the books. You got to buy the books. You got to yes. go to Wow Comics out in Kitchener. And if you're out yes. in Wow Comics in Kitchener, go and check out Wes, Ramon, Chris, and Sydney. Tell them the Iconist podcast. The crew here says hi. They'll take care Yo. of you. For our friends out in Montreal, make a trek over to the South Shore. That's our old stomping grounds. Check out Check Swings, Sports, Comics, and Cards, the whole nine yards. And look for Trevor. Tell him we said hi. Along with Dom, Pierre, and Pierre. And they will take care of you over there at the Iconis Podcast. Tell them you heard about them on this show. For our friends around the world, please send us pictures of your favorite pot, your, your favorite, not your favorite podcast. Uh, hopefully we're one of them. But of your favorite comic book stores. We want to see those. Still looking to see yeah. those coming from around the world. Another supporter of the show, Miss Brandy Ford. Check her out on 4680Q.com. And she's on there on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 p.m. And Fridays is at noon. Sorry, Mondays and Wednesdays at 2 p.m. And Saturdays, Saturdays at noon. That's her show. And she also has her magazine monthly subscription, The Writer and the Wit. Please support that. The link is down below. Okay. When I'm doing stand-up comedy, you can always find my stuff at Barry3D.com. I put all the tour dates. I got a mm-hmm. blog. I got everything on there, including this show and where to find it. Come on. Check it out. Please put that in your favorites and notifications on. And... When I'm doing comedy, sometimes I'm solo and sometimes I'm not. And I'm out there with a touch of gray matter. Those are my brothers, Zolf Ali and Dave Sokolowski. We do a lot of fundraisers and live shows. Please come check us out. Support, support, support. And we'll give it right back to you. Tell us you heard about us. Tell, tell us when you see us. You heard about us here. Where? The Iconist Podcast. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, uh, my cousin who laid in, laid, led in the show today. Thank you very much. My man, my no myth, legend. He makes the movies mm. quiver. 
you know, mm. and, and and he does that all the time, multiple times. Oh, definitely can catch him time. on Mondays now and even Wednesdays, please, on Twitch TV. Rod, where else can slash. I find you? Sorry, I'm just you can find you can find me again twitch.tv forward slash DJ Rod C, but you also can find me on internet on the World Wide Web at Instagram. You can find me at Mr. Rod C. But as well, the world of tick and the talk, the tick and the talk. You can find me on DJ Rod C one. That's DJ Rod C one. Listen, we gotta have some fun today. Oh, wait a minute. There's still one more hidden message. There's still one more hidden person. Who shall that be? I wonder. Very simple. Very, very simple. If you want to do something like what we're doing, you can go and head up Podbean. You can put your podcast mm-hmm. on there too on podbean.com. We're on there, iconis.podbean. And if you're doing that, you're going to need a logo. You need some templates. You need some graphic design work. And there's only one man and one man you should turn to. And Rod, who is that man we are talking about tonight? Jay Bird Digital Art, 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 Art. Jason Reese, you tell him you heard about him on the Iconist podcast. He'll give you a d- 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 discount. Oh, right on. Manners maketh the man. Mm. He's supposed to do it. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Please Good. like, you know, yeah, uh, like, like, subscribe, subscribe, share. You know, yeah. share. Let everybody know. Listen, every. Every help, every click helps out. It just, you know, it's good for the algorithm. But it's just showing us that you, you know, you're interested and you, you know, that you like what you hear. And we appreciate that. So, yeah, you should hit that like button, share it, subscribe. All right. I think, I think we're ready. Okay. I think we're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, today's episode on the Iconist podcast, the icon is. The Micronauts. It's we're about to go in. So, um, as you can tell, someone wants to have a conversation. Barry, would you like to have a conversation with everyone? Hi, hi. Okay, so first and foremost, we're talking about the Micronauts. The Micronauts, they came from inner space, came out in Marvel way back in the days. They made their first appearance in 1979 of January. They kicked off the new year. January issue number one came out by Marvel Comics. Oh, my gosh. So this is created and created by my, my, my two people that got together. So, you know, and it's, it's a fun new tale. So Micronauts started off with Marvel and went with different, um, you know, comic book companies took over the, the, the roles and because of certain things. So, yeah, we'll get into it. So, Micronauts, January of 1979, issue number one comes out, the Micronauts, they came from inner space. Why did this team come about? Well, at the time, we're going through Star Wars fever back in 1977. Star Wars came out. Everyone wanted space operas, rebellions, evil dictators ruling the universe, and people trying to fight back and rebel and, and take over, and we always had to go for the underdog. They they, <sighs> so they had a lot of properties, and on top of that, Marvel Comics turned around and got a lot of properties over the years, right? They had The Man from Atlantis. We've covered that. They've uh, done Shogun Warriors. We will cover that. They've, they, they've done Hogan's Run. I talked about that on a different podcast. Check out Jimmy England's podcast, Back to the Balcony. It, it, I talk about it there, and we'll talk about it even here, too, because there's more to talk about. So they covered all these IPs at the time. Anything that was on TV, a toy-related, Godzilla, he showed up in his own comic book for 24 issues. Marvel Comics had that with Red Ronin, the giant robot that should have been a part of Shogun Warriors. We'll talk about that. Okay, so now we're getting back to Micronauts. This is what we're here for today, and this is what Marvel used to do back then. They just used to grab, 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 and then say, we've got something. Give it to the writers. Can you flesh it out? Can you do something? Can you help a brother out? 
You don't believe that still goes on? Look at Transformers. Transformers, when they came <laughs> over here to North America, did not even have a name. No, they did not have a name. Each individual True. character, we didn't have Decepticons and Autobots. They just got a whole bunch of toys in here, and the writers turned around and said, this, and named them all and gave them all personalities. Now, some people like them, some people don't. But this was put together by by two people, and the and it, one I love the writing, and two the art style was great. So this was put together, and I'm gonna pull it up. So Bill Matlow was the writer who put it all together, and then you had Michael Golden, Michael Golden, who was the artist. Love Michael Golden stuff. He saw, saw some of his stuff prior Micronauts when he did the Avengers Annual. At one point, it was and his art style is different. It's 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 got some darks to it. It's got some streaks to it. It's it's just an art style that appealed to me. Now. Anyone that's been a fan of this show, and we're in year three, thank you, and has watched this show, you would have turned around and you would have seen, I did a video a long time ago uh, during year one, where I'm walking down in my old neighborhood. So I'm walking down the street called Mountain Sites, and I walk to a comic book store, where, or sorry, a, a corner store or a Dippinar, as they call it in Montreal, a bodega for you guys in the States. There we go. And they, <laughs> that's where I bought my first comic that I remember reading. Now, I bought comics before then. Yes, true, granted. But that was the first time I bought a comic book and a comic book that I really wanted because it appealed to me and I wanted to read it. And I wanted more. And this is why I had to understand comics come out every month, 30 days, got to wait month after month. And I was there every week, always making sure I didn't miss it. And that was Micronauts issue number eight. That was the first one that pulled me into this whole world that we got me talking about today. Maybe three years to put it all together because my mind was exploded. All right, cool. I know I haven't caught a breath yet. And that's okay. We'll keep on going. There's a lot to say. So when issue number one came out, I missed all that. I missed the first seven issues. I got issue number eight. Then I got to find out about comic book stores, buying back issues, learning all that whole routine, and then continuing with that. Micronauts. You good? You good? You right? I'm good. good. I'm good. So Micronauts came over as a toy. Um, and this is how I got introduced to it too. This is why it appealed to me at the age. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm almost there. But that's okay. It's okay because I'm not young. I feel young. I act young. All right. Not immature though, pay my bills. Got it. So I turned around and I had I saw the mark in the in the, in the stores. There, there was no Toys R Us in in you know back then. If you had to go and buy your toys, you had to go to Bonnie Mart. You had to go to Consumers. That's what, that was the mecca of getting all the toys. They had everything. That's right. Bonnie Mart, Consumers. Those were the stops you had to do. Uh, Zellers sometimes had some of them in there. You know, Sears. Okay, yeah. Heaton's okay. They had good toys. And it's like it's like when you watch those old movies, those old movies, like, you know, uh, Christmas on 31st Street, 34th Street. <laughs> and you get in there and you see the toy store. That's what they were like back then. Not the stuff online. Nothing was online. You had to go there and do it. You had to hop a, lot, a lift with your parents. Go down there with your parents and say, what's going on? I want to go grocery shopping mom and dad it's like you want to come grocery shopping with us sure ulterior motive i'm stopping by the toy department when they're looking at fruits and vegetables i'm looking at micronauts and star wars figures right and lego that's how i did in hot wheels that's how i was all about so i'd get in there do my chores make sure everything was done turn around and say hey mom dad okay i've been good all week here's my grades boom i got high marks my test can i get a space glider figure they look at the price go really and they go come on now come on now every week i'll be there and they're be asking for something again next week yes yes now, now inside i'm saying yes i'm asking for something next week on the outside no dad good with just this space glider figure of course come next week yo can i get a you know galactic warrior can i get an acroyer what do you want for christmas i want a battle cruiser and it has begun Yes, yes, it had. Rod even said, like, he's just, all right, I'm, I'm just holding on. Put the seatbelt on, people. Here we go. So that's where it came out, 1979. That's, it, it, that's, you know, that's where it started. I got on there, you know, and mm -hmm. there was one issue per month. So I was still, I was still, you know, maybe eight months in. So, you know, 
you know, it's like summertime, in the summer, I'm picking up issue number eight. Cover, I said, the cover appealed to me. Here, here's a cover. See, 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 that's what I'm talking about. All right, cool. All right, so this is where it got into me because I saw the comic book and I saw the toy figure. Mm-hmm. Nothing else, nothing else. And I was a huge fan because to me, Micronauts was almost like a step up from what Lego was. Lego, you get it, it was interchangeable. Mm. So were Micronauts. They, they were almost the size of Fisher Price figures. They they were they were die cast metal. That's right. I survived lead paint, and they were interchangeable with the stuff they had. And they came in, in, in certain color characters came in different colors. So you had to find the character you wanted in the color scheme you wanted. Doesn't mean that was the true color scheme. That's the color scheme you had to get. And you sometimes had to rummage around and look for it. So you could have a green space glider, a gold space glider, a bronze space glider, blue space glider was. That was what I'm talking about. That was my guy. Okay. And this is how I got introduced to that. So I had the comic book now and I got the figures and I'm like, oh, this is what starts me down the rabbit hole of collecting and reading and amassing the knowledge. So backtrack and I get my back issue and I start reading more and more. And these guys created a whole world. Now, how did this world come about? Very simple. As I always say at the end of every show, right? Uh, a pencil, a piece of paper, and lots of imagination keep on dreaming. One fateful Christmas, you know, Bill Matlow was home minding his business. It was Christmas time. His son got a whole bunch of toys for Christmas and, you know, start opening up. And a, a lot of the toys were micronauts. So he had a couple of the figures, he had the Astro Station. You know, his son got his son Ricky got all this stuff from the get go, from the jump. I'm like, oh my gosh! And he's looking at this as a writer, going, well, "What's the story?" And then he, you know, walked into Marvel Comics because he was there as a writer, and he goes, "Hey, over the holidays, how were your holidays? How were your holidays?" Now, I stole. I know this is unconfirmed. I'm not saying this is the truth or this is how it really broke down, but I can understand the man of a the man the mind of a man, and I figure it went like this. Bill Matlow sat there. He turned around. His son opened up and said, oh, my gosh, Dad, you got me Micronauts. And Bill probably turned around and looked at his wife and go, oh, we got a Micronauts? Because he had no idea that his wife went and bought him Micronauts. Because we all know when it comes down to Christmas time, it is the wife who is Santa Claus. And the husband usually is just as surprised as Junior when the kids are opening up their presents. Dad's surprised, too, because it's a gift for him. He's like, oh. Is that what we bought? Yeah, I got you out for Christmas. Is that what we really got? Yeah. I'm not saying that's confirmed. or un- I just don't know. I'm just assuming. Okay. Because that's how it happens in my house at times. And I'm sure it happens in every other guy's house. There's sometimes uh... kids get presents and you just look at your wife and you're like, did we just... <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're happy. Did I, did I... happy. Okay, you're good. Okay. You took oh, the 20 from sure my wallet. That a couple of times. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd be like, saying you, you took the 20 from my wallet, right? Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas, son. That's Merry right. Christmas. That's right. That's right. We supply the money. That's it. That's all. We don't know anything else. You'll be surprised as you. So I'm saying that's what happened. So Bill Cow comes back. He gets into Marvel. He turns around. And he says, hey, guys, we're always looking. We're supposed to be the house of ideas, looking for new ideas. Here, my son got these toys. For some reason, I'm fascinated by them. And what's it called? Micronauts. Because over in Japan, it was called Microman. <laughs> It was like Diaclone, Microman, or and things a lot. So it came out, and those toys were almost the birth 
to a certain degree of GoBots and, and Transformers because they existed overseas. We just bought the license and they look cool, changed the packaging, put some English words on it and put it out in the market. No backstory. You had to make your own backstory. Henceforth, pencil the paper. And that's what he did. But he looked at these characters. He goes, hey, I'm coming up with some ideas. And he started working with it. Mm-hmm. And Marvel's like, wait a minute. You, you got some ideas for these toys? Yeah. All right, let's get our people on the phone to get their people on the phone. And let's sit down and have a meeting. You know, and, and, and now that's a win-win for everybody. Because now they call the toy company saying, hey, you ever heard of Marvel Comics? Spider-Man? You got it. We have an idea. Turn around and maybe bring your figures, print the paper. As a toy company with an IP, you just got advertising. Mm-hmm. Monthly. Reminders. I don't know how they can turn around and look at Bill Matlow and say, no. I, I don't know how they can look at Michael Golden at his artwork and go, no. And even issue number one was done by Dave Clockrid. And that issue, you know, the drawing for that, you can't turn around and go, no. <laughs> you know, Dave Cochran and uh, Al Mulgrom. So you can't turn around and say no to that. And then he said, well, we need to flesh it out. So we got Star Wars fever. We got these Micronauts. Like the name, what are we going to do? And they came up with the whole concept of backstories for each character. And turn around and even took it a step further, say, no. The size you see the toys are the size they are in our world. What? They came from inner space. Okay. So the whole concept. Thank you. Thank you. The whole concept was exactly that. They are humanoid, human looking, some of them. Uh, alien races. Their technology is more advanced than ours here on good old Earth. Earth. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I'm you're good. Uh and here we are. And he said, well, what do you mean you're not going to make them any bigger? He goes, well, remember Land of the Lost? Or, sorry, Land of Giants. That was an old TV show called Land of Giants. We had some people that gone onto a spaceship that was like a plane to fly to another part. And they got, you know, the world. And they got pulled into a wormhole. And they came out and they were on Earth. But then it was Land of Giants. That was the name of the show. So they came from Earth, landed on Earth. Technology is a little bit different because, you know, it's not as advanced from that earth, even though it's supposed to be on the same time frame. And I'll explain that in a second. And then everyone on there was giants while they were six inches tall, trying to survive, get back to where they, they get back to their earth. So mm-hmm. can you picture in a, you're in a ship and now you're trying to reach outer space uh, and you're a six inches tall trying to reach outer space? It's a, it's a huge leap for us. Can you imagine? So you need a lot more power. So that was land of giants. So it was kind of, to me, combination of all that. So Micronauts, same concept. They were in their universe. The universe is within our universe. So if you shrink down enough, you'll actually get into their universe-ish. So let me explain mm-hmm. a couple of things. One, what I mean by time difference, I talked about Earth 1 and Earth 2 when we did our DC families and crisis, your family crisis. I explained Earth 1 and Earth 2, where Earth 2 seems to be the first Earth in the DC universe. When they did a reboot, it came they made Earth 1. That's why Earth 2 characters were older. Batman had gray hair. Superman had gray hair. 
their power skills were a little bit different. They were just finishing the tail end of World War II, where Earth One was present day, where we Earth Two, sorry, World War Two is history for us, and our heroes were younger. That's Land of the Giants almost. Here we are, Micronauts, Micronauts. They come from another universe. Before we get into the Micronauts, let's take a little side thing here and tell, let me tell you what really what grinds my gears. Hashtag Peter Griffin. We would have had the Micronauts in Marvel Universe right now if it wasn't for who owns the rights to who. Two two ways it could come in here. One, if you've seen Ant-Man in the Quantum Universe, they had to use Quantum because they didn't have the rights for Microverse. Him shrinking down brings him to the Microverse. So characters that went into the Microverse before Micronauts existed was Ant-Man, right? I know for sure, the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. To shrink down and get in there. And that's where they had to fight. This one of their villains. Um, uh, was it Psycho, the Master of Fear? Yeah, the big board and fear and all that. I think I have the wrong name, but I'll correct this picture up. Uh, you know, my bad. It's a Micronauts episode, not a, not a Fantastic Four episode. So we good. Yeah, I'm pulling no punches on this one. So that was what pissed me off. And if people got the rights to it, it would have been a beautiful segue to bring them in. And even with the Guardians of the Galaxy, the current roster right now that was in the movie, Bug does join. And he's one of the characters from Micronauts. He does join the Guardians of the Galaxy. Doesn't really say what happened to the rest of the team too much, but whatever. That's supposed to be further in the future. So anyways, we get back and we will come from inner space. So the whole concept is, there's a whole galaxy within a galaxy. There's a galaxy within our world. And that's how they come in. So when you get introduced to the world of Micronauts, the opening page is you have a couple of people running, shooting in the middle of the street on horseback. It's dark. They're, they're running away from these soldiers. They refer to them as dog soldiers. They don't look like dogs. They just, that's what they call it. You got stormtroopers. You got dog soldiers. There we go. Okay. Hashtag, I don't know which one has worse aim. Oh, I do. Stormtroopers because I read the books of Micronauts and people get shot. All right, then. So dog tro- <laughs> you know, the dog, the, the dog soldiers had better aim. And you're introduced to a couple of characters. And they're running. It's a re- You could tell right away from issue number one, page one, it, there's a rebellion going on. You have Prince Ar- uh, Argon and his sister, Princess Mary, riding horseback, shooting back, trying to get to the rebel stronghold. And going, you know, clearly there's a rebellion going on. Very simple, but the art is great. Very dark, but the art is great. I don't mean like it's dark toned in the sense of what's happening. It's just dark, how everything's drawn because it's at night. So you get that established right away. Then, you know, you get a couple of more shots and you get a couple of more pages and it goes to someone else. And all you see is this one guy on a spaceship, very calm. Spaceship looks like a giant bowl. You'll see what I'm talking about when I start posting pictures later on. And with two arms in the front, like bowl. Yeah, so it looks like a bowl. You take a, a, a cereal bowl. You put like two arms in the front of that cereal bowl. You know, that, that's, that's the endeavor. That's the spaceship. So this spaceship went away. I mean, what we get is this spaceship left homeworld. So there's multiple different worlds within the microverse, not quantum verse. In the microverse, and 
you know, they want to explore the other planets within their galaxies. So one of them leaves. They, they go through this whole regiment to find their first micronaut. They find a micronaut. This guy volunteers. He understands that he's going to be gone on a thousand-year journey. Not a five-year mission. Thousand, a thousand-year journey. How do you do that, Barry? People don't live normally for a thousand years. Neither do they. But during this program, he's got his parents. And his parents have a smidge of royalty. Smidge of royalty. And they say, oh, our son's going for this. He, he volunteered for this program. He studied. This is what he wants to be doing. He wanted to go to be equivalent of a pilot. It's, a, it's almost equivalent of a NASA rocket pilot and Captain Kirk. He's on a, a, a thousand-year mission to explore the microverse, to bring all the planets together. So they made their ship. It was called the Endeavor. Uh, the Endeavor. Uh, yep. That yeah, was the Endeavor. And it was just one person along with a robot to take care of him as he explored the universe. He was in suspended animation when he did this. So the ship has a whole lot of compartments and floors. So he'd wake up once in a while. They had everything for him to explore on this ship along with like a a, a helicopter. Yep, yep. It was called the hydrocopter, the astro station, you know, the, the star crusher. All these things were on there as he went to help him explore and bring a message of peace and community to the universe. This spaceship was made. It was supposed to be for the line technology. While he was out there exploring, there was a new thing invented called sub-light drive. After he left Homeworld. And Homeworld, if you look at it, it, looks like a molecule of atoms strung together. And each sphere is a different thing. So that's Homeworld. And on Homeworld, you have their main part. You have the tropic zone. You have the water zone. Uh, amazing. You know, and he off he goes. And then during all this time, you find out certain things that so he's coming back to, to Homeworld, and when he's landing, there's a big reception. And he goes, man, it's so good. Here he stands that from when he left, he was going to be in suspended animation that his parents were not going to see him come back at the end because he's gone for a thousand years and everyone has normal lifespan. So he, when he left, that wasn't just a goodbye to his planet. That wasn't just a goodbye to whoever he knew as friends and family. That was the goodbye. He was not coming back to see any of them ever again. Mm -hmm. It's like how we have that trip saying, hey, you want to win a trip to Mars? We're working on that. We can get you there. Okay? Who wants to sign up? Uh, um, when would I get back? A very long time from now. Uh, how um, do you feel about your ancestors bringing your ashes back? wants to sign up? Not today. I left something on the stove. That's right, because the beige is white. You can't get no, no, no beige in space on Mars. What? Come on now. It's like, we, we would get there. It's like, what do you mean we can't come back? We can't come back? Hmm. No, no, sir. No, we good. We good. <laughs> we good. So... This is the whole thing. He comes back. There's a big celebration. When he comes off the ship for the first time, he's like, oh, man, I'm going to be seen as a welcoming hero. What? Why does everything look so different? I mean, I expected changes to happen, but what's going on? And then all of a sudden, the soldiers point their guns at him, and he's like, wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. Firetron, uh, start the engines! Pew, 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 pew. Next thing you know, 
our homeboy, who we find out now is named Arcturus Rand. So Commander Arcturus Rand wakes up in a slave pit. And he's like, what the heck happened? I, I, I was gone for a thousand years. What, what went on? And this is when mm-hmm. he meets two other members of the team that we see in the comic book. So while he was in there, everyone was like crowding around him. Picture Gladiator. But you're in the slave pits before you get out to the games. And people are looking at him and you're seeing all these. And he's like, wait a minute. I, I, I know you. You're from this planet. And you're from this planet. And I was in your planet like 200 years ago. And, and what's going on? And then two characters come bursting in. And you find out it's a Croyer and Bug. And they like, pop, pop, pop. Throw all the rest of the person aside and say, leave him alone. It's like, these people are trying to take his boots. I'm not even joking. Someone wanted to take his boots. Someone was saying he looks tasty. And, 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 and right, they literally yeah. went to cannibalism. And he's like, and they remember him. Some of them like, oh, you're Commander Arcturus Rand. He came to our planet like 200 years ago. Or he came like 500 years ago. Yeah. Thanks, dude. And upon, Yeah. And upon talking to a Croyer and Bug, who were pretty much like the ones running that cell block. They were the mm. champions that fought off. Okay. And they're like, hey, man, you're, you're, you're so. He's like, yeah. What happened? Um. And they said, well, you left, uh, you know, faster. You, you, you left on, was it subspace drive? And then faster than light drive was invented after you left about maybe your planet about 200 years later. So the whole world got into a, uh, a, a battle, it, literally Star Wars. It was like the Empire said, hey, we sent off an explorer, but we got something that's a lot faster. So what would take, instead of taking us hundreds of years to get to a planet or this planet, we can now can get there in minutes. Imagine how you feel that the thing that you're working on the most has been replaced within minutes. So it's like, this is like the writer's strike with AI. They don't want to have AI do their jobs because you lose the heart and soul of the feel of the project. Mm-hmm. I get it. It might take a writer years, months to write something and AI can do it in a couple of minutes. Faster is not always better. Okay? There's a there's a dirty joke in there, but you got to see me on stage. All right. <laughs> and then he finds out that everything he, he, he sacrificed and gave up was for nothing. He's thrown in a slave pit. His ship is now, you know, uh, impounded. And he's now got to fight for his life. What kind of hero welcome is that after you're looking forward to getting home that everything has just gone right up in smoke? To make matters worse. Mm. You're like, well, what happened? What, what? And they explain it to him what the whole, you know, better engines were made, so forth and so forth. The you know, the universe is at the galaxy is at fight uh, fighting this one guy, Baron Kaza. Who? Baron Kaza. Now, if you see Baron Kaza, he's a imposing man in black armor. I know we're getting Star Wars vibes. I know. But th- th- once again, this is they're taking the toys that already existed and they're giving it a backstory. So did he copy some al- elements or borrow for some elements from certain places? Maybe, but you know, um, it's, it's, what does it say? Uh, copy is a serious, a serious form of flattery. Imitation. Imitation. Thank you, Rod. Imitation is a serious, serious form of flattery. So we got Baron Kaza, and he goes, "We mean Baron Kaza." He goes, "Oh no, Baron Kaza." It's like, wait a minute, hold on. You mean you mean Professor Kaza? Like, what are you talking about? Well, at the academy, when I was training to be a space glider, hashtag the toy name, I studied under Professor Kaza. He was kind of stern, 
He wasn't really popular. Sure, I'm like Professor Smythe from Harry Potter. Mm. But there was no redeeming quality. And they're like, yeah, well, he was able to find this armor and use his super science. And he came back with this armor and his science and he made he made changes. He got rid of the royal family. And at one point, someone says something to, to, to uh, Arcturus. And he's like, what did you just say? And the, the, the name they said, uh, and I forget the name of it. It's going to come up with Cyphorus. And, 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 you know, so they said two names, which are seen as, like, you know, every comic book has it, right? Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, Avengers Assemble, you know, Clobbering Time. Uh, war Cry. You know, the war every, cry. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has a war cry, a war cry, a, a, a mantra, a, a, something they say, you know, um, Blue Blazes by, you know, Nova and so forth like that. So they said these two names that escape right now. I have a lot in here swimming around. Bear with me. And he looked at them and he goes, what did you just say? He goes, what? I said this. No, no, no. The names you said. Oh, these were the two people that at first defied Baron Kaza. But because they tried to, def- the, to fight him, they were the first two that went down and they're seen as martyrs. You know, and we invoke their name out of respect. And now he finds out those those names you said are not anyone. Those names, that's my mom and dad. So you're telling me that Professor Kaza went, bought some armor, came back, took over Homeworld, started over the galaxy, made me feel irrelevant, killed my parents, and is now at war with the galaxy? Like, I'm just a big cosmic joke to this guy. This guy, and he knew it. He, this is like somewhat his, his subplot plan that he had going on in his mind. He's like, okay, well, I had enough of this. And there's images all over Homeworld of his parents because they're seen by, by anyone who's a part of the rebellion. No one, anyone that's not with Kaza uses these images like they're invoking the Holy Mother Mary. Okay, this is how it was. His life is. So they they go through, they fake a fight, they escape the slave pits, they make a run for it during while they're running away. So at this point, you got Bug, you got a Croyer, you got Commander Arcturus Ran. They're running down the street, and who helped with this breakup was the Rebellion. They helped with the breakup because the coming of Arcturus Ran, it's almost had some religious tendencies about it. Hmm. Arcturus Ran was seen to a certain degree how they wrote it loosely, in my opinion as the second coming of Christ. He he was hailed as a returning hero. He was said that he's supposed to come back with so much knowledge that he's going to be the one to overthrow Baron Kaza. He was taught by Baron Kaza. His parents were killed and seen as, you know, the, 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 the war cry of the rebellion. And now he's back. Oh, we never thought he was coming back. We almost a thousand years have gone by. He went from being from fact to fiction and now he's back again. It's and Kaza feared something because there's something in his mind that's making him worry about Com- Commander Arcturus Rand. So this is why he wanted to put him in a slave pit. That's why he wanted to dehumanize him, demoralize him, the whole nine yards. And he put him in there and said, like, okay, go. And the whole thing started. And then the rebellion helped him escape. Now the rebellion planted some bombs around to get him out the slave pits. They, they kind of distracted the dog soldiers. So when everyone's running around and, and making a run for it, Arcturus Rand is running. Now on front, when he was going inside, you know, Bug kind of made a comment, oh, look at that blonde girl. Yeah, she's trying to distract the soldiers. And you see this robot 
holding this blonde girl up like she's a puppet, like on strings. And mm-hmm. well, that's Marionette. All right, man. Once they make their escape and those boys are making a run for it down the street, you see Marionette running. And, and, and Rand's like, look, we got no time for no Marionette girl, no puppet girl. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like one of the leaders of rebellion. Slow it down. Two, I helped get you out of here. Three, I'm Princess Mary, not Marionette, and that's Microtron. Okay. They make a run what? back to the Endeavor. Biotron flies up the ship. Off they go. Everyone's no question is, what's in your mind that Baron Kaza fears? What, what, what is it? What is it? What's going on that he really needs to know? Because Baron Kaza figured out a couple of things. Like this man, he, he, on his plan, he did wonders for healthcare. If you're rich. You know, Baron Kaza made the, the body banks. So, for the upper class people, when you got older, you didn't have to worry about dying. You'd go and see Baron Kaza, pay him some money, and he, and then you pick out a body that you like. Doesn't matter, male or female. And he would take someone else, take that body, and he would transfer your brain and consciousness into a new body, go and live a couple more years. So the the rich didn't care. They thought it as, hey, we get to live forever. You know, you can wake up one day and say, oh, well, I'm now 90-something years old before I die. That's a good-looking strapping body. Okay, you know what? Take my mind. And it's like, if I want to take my head and say, okay, take my brain and put me in, I don't know. Um, uh, oh, my God, I was going to call it the actor there. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, Creed actor. Oh, Michael J- uh, Jordan. Yeah. Put me in, take out my brain, put me in, put me, put me in Michael B. Jordan's body. Okay, I'm good. All right, now I'm holding. Time for me to go. I'm hit 90 again. You know what? Take me and put me in somebody else's body. You know, put me in this person's body. I'm not even fussy. Uh, maybe I want to go through as a woman. Maybe I want to be a man. It, it was the ultimate, and that was the body banks. And then how he pried on the, the you know, lower class, the, the poor class. You, had your, you have your lower class, middle class, and upper class, okay? So the upper class, uber rich, every good. Middle class just trying to get by, and the lower class still trying to get by. So the the you know the people that are trying to get better for them. They have two options. If you're a poor lower class or middle class, you have two options. You either become one of Baron Kaza's dog soldiers, where if something happens, you get a new body or a new limb or whatever, and you're good. He takes care of you, but you have to give your service to him. That's what. That's how he got all his troops to sign up willingly. Two, if you're poor and you're just trying to get by, you start what doing gambling. But you gamble with your body. You pay with your body. Hmm. It's, it's like when you see those commercials, Tony, bet, bet, bet. Yeah, picture that. But instead of betting money, ducats, yen, dollars, pounds, <laughs> you're betting limbs. And you would go in there and say, well, I'm going to bet this. What do you have to offer? Um, I have a good, I got a good left hand. Oh, yeah, we genetic, your, your genetic material is good. All right, well, your, your hand is worth X amount of credits. You can now go and gamble. And if you win enough, you can buy your hand back if you break even. If you win more, you can have some extra credits to go and feed your family or update your body. And if you lose, they call you lefty. That, that's it. Now, what's the knowledge that he had in his mind? And this brings you back. You, you, when he was exploring that thousand-year journey, going around with everybody 
um, you know, not everybody, but it, it was just him and, and Biotron. So he was in suspended animation, but his mind was active. So he had a telepathic link with his robot that was on there, his, you know, a Biotron 6000. So Biotron would go out there and he would speak to people tele- and we have a telepathic link to Commander Actorius Rand. So his mind was active. And once in a while, he would come out his, his hibernation coffin, as he would call it, to stretch his legs and then get back in there to preserve himself so he can be long-lived. So he's over a thousand years old. But during yeah. their journey, what made them turn home was at one point he was so far out in the universe. They, hit, they, they categorized and, and made so many relationships on planets and he got all the way out there. He hit a wall. Not an emotional wall, but something called the space wall. Now, the space wall was physically, a, a, he hit the ed- edge of the universe. It's like the Truman Show. You hit the wall. You can't go through it. The ship can't fly through it. He hit it. And when he hit it, it was like energy. And he had multiple images in his mind. And he hit something called the Enigma Force. And the Enigma Force turned around and bonded with him. And this is where we got Time Traveler, which is another toy in multiple colors with multiple belts. And that's where you got the time travelers. And the time travelers put this knowledge in his brain so deep that he doesn't even know how to access it. But it's there. And they said, you know what? It's time for you to go home, Arcturus, man. And he's like, it's time for me to go home. And he went home. So he knew he hit that. But it strengthened his telepathic, telepathic bond that he had with his robot. It made him go home. And this is what made Baron Cosa go, oh, we got to get him. So when they were all escaping, you know, and he goes, well, there's one thing about this ship that causes no. I can actually navigate through the space wall. Because now he's being chased by tons of spaceships that are under Baron Cause's control trying to destroy him. And they're like, really? And everyone on board's like, well, look, we got no other choice. What's the plan? We're going, not going to the space wall. We're going through the space wall. And they go through the space wall. <laughs> and end up on Earth. Our Earth. Present day. Boom. Guess what? Their spaceship comes through. They land. They look around. It's like, oh, the vegetation is huge around here. And then when they start looking around and they, and they start seeing people and all that, <gasps> holy Toledo, we're only six inches tall. In my universe, I'm like five foot ten. <laughs> here, I'm, I'm five inches, three quarters. But it's inhabited present day. They came down in Florida. Which means no one will believe if they saw a spaceship because you ever hear this thing? It's like, Florida man. Florida man? No. Every time you hear Florida man, we know it's going to be something over the top. So they crash landed in a backyard and they ran into another character named, uh, his name was uh, Steve Coffin. And Steve was mowing his lawn like a typical teenager does because his dad's away. Exactly. And he doesn't even have an electric mower. He's got one of those push motors with the big blades on it and, and they had to run for their lives. Uh, and he had explained this. He was home alone with his dog, Muffin. And, and yeah, the dog's name is Muffin. And he had to turn around and Muffin and Steve almost killed the Micronauts at first. And then Muffin was chasing him around because they thought they were like little mice or something like that. So that was funny in itself in its own humor. Their ship is damaged. They figure it out. And then a spaceship comes through and follows them through. They have to battle, battle one of the, 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 you know, the uh, uh, battle cruisers, which was another toy by, my, by the Micronauts universe. Awesome. My buddy Wade had it. Lucky. Okay. So they had to battle everyone that was on board that. They won, of course. And then you find out later on, they're not too far from Cape Canaveral. They're not too far from NASA because Steve, his dad, Ray, was an astronaut. Bum, bum, bum. Not that I've read these books a lot. 
No, not no. And I'm like, there's there's no documented proof that you've read every panel and have it committed to memory. No, no, there's no documentation anywhere. Huh. Just saying. Huh. As you were saying, right. Right. Issue two, page 17, page 16. Please continue. Let's go this way. Everything I'm talking about right now, <laughs> that's just literally, it's the first two issues. Like I that's said. just the first two issues. <laughs> okay. Like, this is how cool that is. That's just a, a rough synopsis of the first two issues. And the issue I came in is issue number eight. That's the first one I bought. And why they appeal to me? Because they introduced new characters. So you see more about Baron Cause. You see more about the body banks. You now, the, of course, you have to parody the, oh my gosh, at one point, they're having a laser fight, starship battle, going down the highway in Florida with another battle cruiser with a police car in the back of them. They went through a skateboarding park, and kids were like, sure, you saw, you know, these little micro-men and radio, remote control spaceship flying around. And you have the owner of the park going, look, that's what I saw. And it's like, how much did you drink, guy? I didn't drink anything. You know, Florida, man. And then, uh, you know, the police are going down the highway and they're like, you wouldn't believe what we're seeing. What do you see? We're seeing a spaceship. No, you aren't. No, it's really two feet above us. Big is it? Oh, three feet. With these little micro mini figures, right? Is someone filming a movie? <laughs> is they, are they filming a movie? Yeah, no. When they get to Cape Canaveral, you find out that, you know, there's this um, uh, plant that's there. Now, the acronym for the plan is called HELL. By Dr. Prometheus. So, you had uh, Ray Coffin and his partner, who was also an astronaut. He got injured in outer space, and he came back, right? I can't remember if it was Bill Prometheus or something like that. So, the whole time, he, he started working on this whole thing about making a portal because he got glimpses of people coming from the microverse. But they, when they came through the space wall, they were brought over to his facility and they were dead. So he just used to kind of use them to study them. So he knew there was another like, a world within a world. And then when the microdots showed up and he saw they were real and they were alive. Oh, okay. This now validates all his research. Blue is mine. 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 The Enigma Force, the time travelers turn around and they lend some of their power to Ray Coffin to save his son because at one point, Baron Cosinal makes it through the space wall. He projects his essence onto a body, so he takes human size. So he takes over Bill Prometheus' uh, body and he becomes human-sized Baron Kaza with battle armor like Darth Vader blasting away everybody and, and the army at Cape Canaveral is trying to fight him. Key word, trying. At Making this point, you know, yeah, Baron Cause has got up a shield, so he's blocking stuff coming in from tanks at point-blank range, shooting out laser blasts from his hands, destroying heavy artillery, and still fighting the Micronauts at the same time, trying to capture Arterius Rand to figure out what's in his mind. So he's fighting the army, he's fighting the Micronauts, okay, and he's winning, and then the Enigma Force gives over a portion of their power to make Captain Universe. I know it might sound cheesy now, but Captain Universe is awesome. And that persona of Captain Universe 
carries on. So if anyone is a hardcore Spider-Man fan will realize he got the power. Peter Parker got the power of Captain Universe at one point. And he gets a blue costume with the white on top with the, the you know, home world and all those things on his costume with energy glowing around him and allows him to fly and shoot energy blasts and even more cosmic awareness. Okay, Captain Universe was so popular that he got his own spinoff book where power would go from person to person who needed it the most. Male, female, short, tall, black, white, doesn't matter. And Captain Universe's power would transfer and do that way, and that was part of the Enigma Force. Not mercy. Come on, fire. Okay, so get back, you know, and then you meet a Croyer. Now, I know there's a Croyer, and there's a race of a Croyers, for example, but a Croyer is actually a prince, and you guys can't really say his name because it's so complex to say. He was named after his people. It's almost like saying, if I, you know, me being black, and I was a, a, the prince of Africa, that my name, and they're Africans, I would be freaking. It wouldn't be Barry. He'd be like, oh, look, it's Prince African. Oh, really? Who's his people? The Africans. Okay, then. <laughs> okay. Prince Let's make it Asian. Make it Who's easy. his people? Make it Asians. Easy. There you go. You know, less, and cost less on the name tags. <laughs> You know, they all had their story. So it's great that you would see this, you know, all these characters from different worlds united together. And it led to, and this is like the first 12 issues of Micronauts is, to me, that's that's it. I'm good. Mm. In there, you had action, sci-fi, destinations, history, world building, romance, wins losses uh new friendships old friendships and extra history so that's just the main story for Arturius Rat. we haven't even talked about princess mary who does turn out to be a, a love interest for commander Arturius Ran. she's not your damsel in distress she is a rebel leader you know her brother prince argon well he's had it rough but, you know, if you really read the books properly, and I was saying before that Arturius Rand has royalty in him. So his his dad was a commander. His dad was known as Force Commander. Now, Force Commander is a toy, just like Baron Kaza. Force Commander was all in white. Kaza's black. He had all these powers. And then you realize that Commander, you know, Commander Arturius Rand, his his dad was a force, was force commander. But of course, when he got killed, the army was taken, the armor was taken, and it was killed by the rebels. By rights, Rand should have been the new force commander because he's royalty also at the same time. But he should have been the new force commander. He didn't even wear the force commander armor. He let Prince Argon, who was Princess Mary's brother, take the armor. But this is only after he was rescued from the body, the, the body banks, because Baron Kaza caught Argon. And then Baron Kaza likes to experiment. So Argon was turned in from a man, I was once a man, into a centaur. He took Ober he took Oberon, which was Prince Argon's favorite horse that he had a rapport with. And okay, let's just say he beheaded the horse. He took off Argon, you know, kept Argon from the waist up, took off from the waist down, he got rid of that. And he put his body on on his horse and grafted him together. Yeah. yeah. But once again, if you look at the Micronauts toys, they were able to swap that way. If you look, Force Commander was able to interchange with his horse Oberon to be a centaur. 
and getting more armaments all that way. Same thing with Baron Kaza. It's just that Baron Kaza would be able to do it to kind of just change and do it with through science instantaneously, where Argon was permanently grafted that way. Ouch! So Princess Mary's trying to get back to save her homeworld, save her brother, see what's going on. You know, a Croyer, another person on the team, he's a prince. He was betrayed by his brother because his brother you know, was jealous and thought people didn't like him, right? Prince Shayton. So Prince Shayton didn't think people liked him because the color of his skin, because he was born albino. Now, everyone on Croyer's planet, as you find out, we didn't know this at the beginning. So only in issue number nine did you see, you know, they go back to this home world, you know, Spartek, right? It's a cold world of rocks. You find out Croyer's people used to be farmers. Their planet was just, uh, destroyed. They left their planet in these world arcs, world ship arcs. They all left looking for a planet to live on. And they finally found Spartak, the dying planet. And they said, hey, the planet spoke to them, like literally spoke to them and said, look, I don't have much. I'm just cold and stone at this point. But if your people need a place to stay, you can stay here on me. This is how it worked in the microverse. The planets would talk, almost like Eagle, Ego from the Living Planet. Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel Comics, but no ulterior motives. It just wanted to have people. The planet's purpose to have people on it and help them. He knew that it, he didn't have much, but he's like, hey, you can take what I have. So they moved there. And while living there, they went from farmers to warriors. They put on armor. They developed new religious you know, precepts that they always wore their armor. This is what we talked about one of the episodes where we compared Groyer to the Mandalorians. Okay. And when he was on his planet, you finally see a courier take his mask off. Now, this is why I lost it. Like, this is like issue number nine, nine or 10. I lost it because I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me these Spartan like warriors are all black? One nation under a groove. Holy. Mm. Holy. As a young. Young, young child. It was nice to see the representation in something like that for me. It was shocking. Like they, what? What? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Except, remember, yeah, they keep him back. This is like, you know, we're going back 1979, 1980. This is, this is when this is popping off. I'm like, you, you made him black? And he's the toughest guy in the team. Like, he is the fighter. Like, he's his strength is way above. If he was human size, way above average, okay? Way. I mean, that, that's the whole warrior race. They are tough. Forget Klingon. They are tough. Even a courier at six inches can lift a car almost. A human car. Keep in mind, six inches lifting a human car. Keep your jokes to yourself. Upset. All right. Upset. Okay. That's, that's a, just a quick thing of his backstory. We're going to get into some of it after, you know, what we got going on. And then there's uh, Bug, who's also on the team. So Bug is, so a Croyer is a Croyer. He had his own toy figures. They're called the Acroyers. Got it. Uh, you know, Commander Arcturus ran with Space Glider. Marionette, she didn't have a, or and Princess Mary, she didn't have a figure. Um, so they never really gave her a, a, a toy name. She was more originally made for the comic book. Then you had Bug, who looked insect-like. It's your Nightcrawler from the X-Men with green skin. Two antenna coming off the top. That's that's pretty he's, much the look. Look, at, he, look, he's like a humanoid grasshopper. That's the best way Thank of looking you. at it. 
Think of a Thank very you. humanoid yes. grasshopper. That's what Bug looked like. Yes, yes. And if you look at his original name, he, yeah, he said Bug. He has another name, but he went by Bug. But he was also known as Galactic uh, Galactic Warrior. Oh, there was a toy called the Galactic Warrior. They got a Galactic Defender. You got Galactic Warrior. You got Space Glider. You got a Croyers from the toy line. So Galactic Warrior, they said, was Bug. And you find Bug came from another world. It was more, you know, insect light where they all looked like various kind of insects. Some flew, some didn't. His, as Rod put it out, he was like a grasshopper. He jumps. He can grip on. He has the three fingers, you know, th- uh, you know, uh, the three toes, two in the front, one in the back. Helps him grip, climb walls. Okay, that's that's what he is. He always had his his rocket staff that he could throw. Had little rockets, could fly further. And had lasers come out the rockets. He was also a master thief. Very swashbuckler. Like thief swashbuckler kind of episode. Uh, and he was always witty, very charming, very flirtatious. But at the same time, you know, when it's time to fight, oh, he can get down. Mm. And he was betrayed by his dad at the time. They had a hive mother, so he had one mother, like all of them, like insects. You would have the queen of a hive give birth to multiple, uh, you know, going forward. So, yes, he was betrayed by his dad because at one point he saw that cause of soldiers coming over there. He started running a, bell, a rebellion on his planet called Kalkak, uh, or Kalkilik. He, he, Bug talks with a tick also. He'll say, hey, tick, what's going on? You know, he always has a little tick noise when he speaks. So he found out that his dad betrayed him to the dogs, you know, the dog soldiers, the Baron Kaza, to sell him to the slave pits because his dad wanted to step up because he didn't like the fact that what happens, you find this out after issue 12, it's like issue 13 or so. He, he gets back to his home planet. You know, don't ask me how he survived. That was so crazy. He fell from all the way from outer space, fell all the way through the atmosphere and, and hit his planet, like planet fall, and he survived. Okay. That was stretch, but still, you know, I'm not sure if they wanted to kill the character off or not, and they changed their mind. But you find mm-hmm. out that his dad had a gang of thieves. Bug was part of that gang of thieves. Bug started doing missions with them. They seemed to like Bug more. And then Bug kind of took over. His dad didn't like being kicked out. So his dad betrayed his son. Now keep in mind, as a father, you have he's gonna have multiple sons because there's an insect kind of hive mentality how they go about it. But then he he got back, and that's when it got raw. So there's that thing. Uh, sorry, I didn't finish with the Croyer. Croyer once again betrayed by his brother, the only albino born to the race of Spartek to the royal family. They never had a problem with it. It was him that always said, "Oh, people look at me funny." Well, you're the only albino on the planet, but how would they only see you? Because most of the time, everyone has their armor on, and once it's on. As a young kid, you don't take off that armor. But then he started acting a certain way. Yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very Mandalorian. Very Mandalorian. And then he huh. turned around and he joined Kaza when Kaza was taken over and said, hey, I'll join your side. I'll bring over uh, quarters that are loyal to me. You know what? Or better yet, mind control them. So Prince Chaitan turned around, had his own people enslaved, mind controlled by Baron Kaza to beef up his armies, betray his brother, and sold his brother into the slave pits. And on the way... On the slave ship that was bringing back a Croyer also had Bug, and that's how the two of them formed their friendship. That's how they got back to Planet. You find this out like in an annual or further on. And then, of course, issue one, you bring in Arcturus Rand. There you go. The only two other people to mention are the robots. Right? Mm. Now, they don't call them robots. They call them robot, roboids, robots, robots, whatever. They're half Boss. living, half dead. So they do have, like, depending which one you want to go with, some of them have, like, some living organisms within them to help them function. So there's Biotron, who's the bigger one, and you got Microtron. Now, I know the toys are always pretty big, but, you know, they made them rational human size, uh, racial to human size. So Biotron was able to fit inside the ship. So Biotron was the companion and friend. He's not seen as a servant, a companion and friend 
of Commander Arcturus Rand, and Microtron was with Princess Mary. So she was a royal, she's royalty. He would be there to take care of her. She didn't have any servants, so he would be there to, you know, take care of her day and night. Um, he would be there at horse riding. He would be there to help her out through her daily duties, keep her appointment schedule, and just be there to keep her on top. She was a very feisty, fiery personality. Yeah, I just think like a basically more of like a tutor. Like, a, you know, yeah. it's her childhood tutor, basically a real boy tutor. So you think of like the governor, a governess type of thing, you know, just a, um, like an Alfred who's always there yes. to just keep you in line. Master Wayne. Yes. Master Dick. Yes. Master Damien. Yes. Yeah. So we we can go with that. We, we Yeah. Yeah. Michael Tron. We can think of that. Michael Tron is the AKA Alfred. Yes. Yes. I think I like that. Yes, okay. Absolutely. I'm over here. Still strapped in. <laughs> People are like, what the heck happened to Rod? We don't hear listen, Rod. This uh, listen, I'm here. As you can tell, we have two squares. If not here, this whole this this whole thing will be just tilted all the information. I'm just here just to balance out the screen for everybody. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, wow, wow. Well, we like knew that going in. You're welcome. You're welcome. That's funny. We we knew that going in. Oh, this episode yeah. was how many months? Maybe, we, yeah. yeah, you guys just know if you guys watch the show often enough, you know sometimes when the word micronauts are just happen to be you know spoken in in passing for any of the other shows, how happy he is. So it's only a matter of time. Look, like, you know what? I think we've contained this long enough. Fire in the hole. Information. More information. More information. So congratulations, everyone. You're welcome. Thank you. We tried as much as possible, but here it is. So that's the name of Rand's parents. So Commander Arturius Rand, his, his parents' names are Dallin uh, and Syphilis, Syphilis, uh, Superius Rand. I'm mispronouncing her name, but that's his parents' name. Okay, yeah. Dallin, yeah. Dallin and Syphilis. Thank you. Atlanta Sipsis Rand. There we go. Those were his parents. They were royalty. So the whole thing is we get all the rebellion and everything else I mentioned at the top of the episode. Now looking back at this even more, this has to me, if you look at the first original 12 issues by Marvel Comics, it brings a lot of the uh, Game of Thrones feel to mm. it. The only thing that I was always disappointed in is they never really dived into Arcturus Rand's royalty and lineage. They dived into everything else, but they don't really mention his his ties to the upper court. Very, very sparse. Very sparse. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I'll wrap this up here at that point is, you know, we finally do find out what the knowledge is in Rand's brain. He does have a connection to the Enigma Force. And at one point when the, the whole, between issues 11 and 12, it comes down to the big fight. You know, in this corner, Commander Octavius mm-hmm. Rand, in this mm-hmm. corner, Aaron Carson, round two. I say round two because round one was versus Prince Argon and the Force Commander armor. And that splash page that Michael Golden drew with 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 Kaza as a centaur, Argon as a centaur, and and the energy blast, because the energy blast didn't go straight. It would curve and and move around just very much Jack Kirby style. Like if you look at Dark Side's Omega Beans, they would follow you. Oh, Oh, so good. Big battle in front of the body banks. 
you know, causes, you know, and they're bombing. The Acroyers are not coming back. The mind control has failed. He's starting to lose. He's still holding on. He beats, he beats Prince Argon. He's already captured Ran. He's captured Mary. He, Bug seems to be dead. You know, the Acroyers show up. Spartak, the, the world, uses its energy, the world mind, gives it to Prince, uh, Prince Acroyer, and he uses that to bombard at the same time, whole world around the body bank. So he's getting, it's a full out assault. So Baron Kaza fought off Forest Commander one, captured Arcturus Rang and Mary. Okay, killed off Bug, fighting off the energy from another planet, and he's still standing. That's how, man, he's beyond Darth Vader level powers. And then the Enigma Force says, hey, Rang, you know you're down but not out. You, you know what's inside your mind? He's like, what? And they unlock the power of the Enigma Force. And Ran just starts to light up. And his hands are outreached. His whole body goes like a gold. He starts to float up. And he's, he's just using the palms of his hands. And causes shooting him. And he's just deflecting. Deflecting. No yelling. No screaming. He's very calm. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I strip you of this. I bind this power. I remove this part of your armor. I push out your essence out of your armor down into the body bag's pit. And we're good. It was literally like the, a second coming of Christ kind of a moment. And you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot. That's good. That's good. Um, I, I don't know what else to say to that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's oh, a lot. It, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, and there's a, there's a tad a more. And I'll, 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 you know. So here's the thing. And when you read Continuous of Micronauts, you realize the ties they already have to present day heroes in Earth. So if you know the Zodiac, right? The, those villains, the Zodiac, there's one called uh, Scorpio, where, and he has a key. It's, it's a, you know, an energy key. And you see, and they actually made appearance in the original Nick Fury. Uh, Ages of Shield run back in the sixties. Everyone looked at it. You find out that, that that key is from the microverse, so it's like a circle. It looks like an Egyptian symbol at one point. The circle with like you know two prongs and another thing straight, like another prong that's straight. You find out that's a key, which I thought was cool because he had to find, he had to go on a quest to find the three keys, a very Lord of the Rings kind of thing, in in the space future universe. The, the part that gets me the most is you find out why do a lot of people on, you know, in the microverse are humanoid. Well, one telling is they weren't born there originally. It, they all went from Earth. You had uh, a person, I think his name was Way, Way Ryder. Uh, and he, he was, you know, back in ancient times, sure, like the city of Atlantis, things are going mm. wrong. I think that's really how they tied it in. This guy turned around and says, hey, man, we got to leave. I'm going to find a better place for us to live. He had a magic sword. He sliced the fabric of time. He walked through there with a whole bunch of people following him, all different races, creeds, whatever. And they went through and, they, and there was some, you know, I said, you had whites, you had black, you had Egyptian, you had Greek, you had, and they went through that and, and discovered the microverse. And that's where they decided to live. So they do have ties to Earth. And, you know, a lot of that comes out in issue 35 of Micronauts. So yeah, yeah. Baron Kaza, he's down but not out. So he, he always bounces back. So a lot more on the bone for that one. I just wanted to kind of get that point in there. Mm-hmm. Ooh, boy. 
Man, I, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, this brings us to the famous thing: fan cast time. Rod, I will let you go first on this one. If you had to adapt any of this, how would you do it? How would you want to see it? With who and go? So. Here's here's the thing. What I like, what I like about Micronauts is, of course, the concept of the size that they're only like six inches tall. More or less, definitely when they're in our universe, when they're in our universe, and you're basically interacting with, you know, Land of the Giants, as you stated. So, to get all that nice feel of everything like that, this is where. It'll be, it's different. We've never said, I, well, at least I don't recall us saying this way. I would want a like a, a cartoon, a cartoon adaptation, but it's a cartoon adaptation that is has real significance to the MC universe. Because I want, I want all the effects. I want all the the. It'd be more cost effective to to, if you're gonna have. Um, I care on being able six, like you said, six inches and you able to lift a, 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 a car. Have the ability to have the endeavor flying around, shooting in the middle of the highway, um, interacting. Um, what you know, the emperor. But you know, which I want to make a note. He reminds me of Zorg from Toy Story. When you look at yes. his face, he just reminds me of Zorg. From from Toy Story, I wanted to say that from before, and I'm like, I'm gonna let you go. I'll say it at the end. I'll say it at the end. <laughs> what I would want is this whole this whole endeavor to be cartoon, but it's like it literally is. You know what? The best way of thinking, they do. They they have basically they have um, Guardian of the Galaxy, the cartoon yeah. that that this already is already a cartoon, and yeah. you know that that storyline is dipped into. Is touching the Dimensity universe. So I want basically in that type of style, that's what I want. So basically, now I'm going to have voiceovers. So I, I want to have. Okay, so let's go. Let's go down the list. Let's go down the list. Um, for for Mary, who I wanted for Mary, I wanted. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to go off of. I want Summer Cree. I want Summer Cree. Okay. Okay. But she has, because now I'm just talking about like, you know, you know, cartoon uh, voice or voice, or, voice actors. I want someone who will <laughs> to give me, give me that, that, that pull. Now we know her to being, um, she has the chops. Like I, I don't know if I'd be able to pull up all the stuff that she's done. Right, but, right, you know, right. I know, yeah. But she she's she's done too many too many, you know, characters that we can say that I know she'd be able to pull the Mary, giving us the 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 the, um, the characteristics of basically a princess warrior. It's like a princess Leah. But she's yep. not a damsel dress. That's what I want. I would like to see her in that. Uh, I would like to see um, Bug. Now, I, I guess because I'm in, um, 
oh my goodness, Seth Rogen. I want a little comedy in that. I want a little comedy, especially now because we just finished, you know, they just released the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle from the sewers. I wanted to have Seth as uh, as Bug. Have a comical, jewel type of, you know, actor. Mm. I wanted, uh, let's see, what's this? No, I want, I don't want, I want, uh, I go, you know me, I always say this wrong. Uh, Akira. Uh, Akira. Foyer. Foyer. See, I, I knew I was going to mess him up. <laughs> Akoyer. I want Akoyer to be, um, what's, oh my gosh, why am I, why am I just, I just, Idris. I don't know why I'm like, I, oh, I'm Idris like, Alba. I, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going Alba. I'm thinking the nose the other way, right? So I want Idris Alba to be, to be, uh, a Coyer. See, I can't even right. say his name. Okay. Okay. Because I, I want I want to have someone who basically have the the voice that you can not only recognize. We will know once you know the story that it, you know he's an ebony, ebony uh, actor and everything along that line, or ebony character, but who has the voice that you realize like saying, "Oh, he's someone I don't want to mess with." I'm just letting you know right now, I value my life, and you should too. That's it. Um, so let's see now. Who else was left? Um, Arturus Ran. Now, Arturus Ran, he is the leader. He, he's, you know, he, he's just that leader type individual. I wanted to have, um, and I think I accidentally just closed the window when I was just moving around getting to Idris. I just actually knocked, I just closed it now. So now I'm trying to remember who is it that I had. All right, Nation. I'll come back. Okay, who else was there? I didn't marry. Well, there's a two robots. So you got so you got a choreo, oh, okay. you got bug, right. you got Mary. So right. it's Biotron okay. and and Microtron. You know what? Cause I didn't even think. I honestly, I just didn't think anybody too particular to them. Cause I really was just thinking, well, you know, you can get anyone. But as I said, you know, um, Bio Biot is um is more like Alfred, as I was saying earlier. So I'm just thinking, you know, anybody, not anybody, yeah, yeah. but Go, I'll come back. Come back to me, and then I'm gonna to try to find who. I, go back to my history and find who who I was thinking for, a Karis. Because I'm like, yeah. now I just realized where the hell did I put that? Keep going. You go. You go. I'll come back. All right, all right. So you can go back with your list and stuff. All right. So here's how I was going to be. So my adaptation was, uh, once again, it's a dual role, but this time I can figure it out, right? So first and foremost, this has to be done as a, you know, this IP has to start as a cartoon for me. It has to start as a cartoon, no question yeah. about it. With all the 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 aspects of going on and all that, especially if you're going to kind of at least try to bring about maybe the first first you know pull of stories. Like you, my thing is, give me a cartoon. It's got to at least definitely start with issue one. Uh, you got to touch on some of their history. So maybe kind of what would be issue one to you know watch issues one to five, and give me what they talked about um, in the or in Micronauts Annual Number One, right? Mm-hmm. I know the art was done by uh, oh my gosh. The same guy who did the creeper and Hawk and Dove, and I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, is it Bill? Not Bill Matlow. Not Matt. No, it's not Bill Matlow. It's uh, I'll come back to it. But you know, give me that. Um, here, here's how it is. So, cartoon cover it with in their contract. I want a lower decks deal. 
So you do the voiceovers, but when we bring you live action, you show up to be live action of your character. So I went even further to bring them in. So this way we can have the cartoon, establish the history of them. So this way when they make their live action appearance in the MCU, we're good to go. You'll recognize those characters from on TV and their voices. Yeah, yeah. have like uh, dual yeah. roles. So I'm going to work my list down to top. So, so for starting off with Space, Gl- Space Glider, which is Commander Arcturus Ran, straight up, I'm getting Zac Efron. Zac Efron, that's my leader. Right? You know, I, he's got it. He, he's got the chops. He can do it. Enough said. Look at his body of work. And I, we know we can go further. For Princess Mary, I'm going with Gemma, uh, Arturon. Arturiton. There we go. Gemma Arturiton. So Gemma was the princess in Prince of Persia live action adaptation there with Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, when you do Prince of Persia, Sand of Time, um, mm-hmm. live action movie. So that's where she, most people recognize her from. She's done way other than that, but that's one of the roles she's did. So that's that's Princess Mary right there. Then for a Croyer, there's no other person than Kevin Gervaux. Uh, uh, so Kevin Gervaux does a lot of voice work. He did the Black Beetle, the voice of the Black Beetle in Young Justice. He's got that deep, gravelly voice. And he's also in the movies Underworld. So if you look in Underworld, the movies, he plays a werewolf. He's a big black guy, werewolf, deep, deep, deep voice. It sounds like two stones of granite going across each other. If you see, and he's also a comic book fan, a comic book writer, and he's a comic book artist himself. He actually has his own works within the industry. So that's what I'm going with. With Bug, I'm going with Andrew uh, Koji. So Andrew Koji played Storm Shadow in Snake Eyes, the movie. So Snake Eyes movie, the origin movie of Snake Eyes, he played Storm Shadow. He's also a main person in the, movie, the TV series Warrior. So he's got Asian roots. He's a martial artist, but born and raised in Britain. So he's got a full British accent. I would not have him change his accent to be anything else but that. He does have some wit. He's got a great smile. I think he could play this swashbuckler character easy, 100% on screen, you know, being if he's just doing the voice or live action. And live action is where I think he would really shine with this role even more. Now, for Biotron, who, um, you know, was there with Commander Arcturus Rand, the voice actor I would get for that is Peter Dinklage. Because being if it's on, you know, cartoon or live action, it's going to be CG to a certain degree. Biotron is a tall, the, the taller robot. I know Peter Dinklage is more of a shorter stature. He's from Game of Thrones. Everyone would recognize him. He's also played in the X-Men movie. Okay, that's who I'm going with. Peter Dinklage, I love his voice. He would be great with Zac Efron, as is. Don't change your voices at all. Uh, make him change, you know, to sound like American or not. No, keep him as is. And then finally for Microtron, who would be working along with uh, Gemma, I'm going with the actor Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg, who did, you know, uh, the Mission Impossible movies, Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Okay. Scotty on the new Star Trek movies. Right. Right. You know, movie Paul, Hot Fuzz, that's Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is my Microtron. That there is my Mighty Six. Okay. Because once again, Microtron would be done CGI in a live action movie, right? Because he's a robot. So. Either way, Peter and Simon doing the two robot voices, we're good. And I know people are going to say, well, Barry, shouldn't you put them the other way around? Come on now. No. Going, going by voice work. 
and I'm going by the work it is, Microtron would be, he's more of a comical relief to offset Princess Mary's, um, her being a little bit more serious. So you need that. Peter Dinklage would have the more uh, warm and knowledgeable voice to offset Ren, Zac Efron's character. So this is why Zac Efron would be with Peter and, and you know, uh, Dinklage and Mary would be, you know, uh, Gemma would be with Simon, with Simon Pegg. There we go. That's my Mighty Six. Micronauts kicked it. I did not do Baron Kaza. That, that's something different, but I'm only going with the heroes in this one. Baron Kaza can get more of his stuff later on and maybe in another episode. There we go. All right. All right. Uh, okay, cool. So I realized who it was. And I, I don't know why he was right there in front of my eyes. Uh, so again, to a turn, I, I was going to go with, uh, let me get his name again, Jake. And this is why I took, took hell. Gyllenhaal. I can, I can never say his name properly. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Okay. Right. That's why I had to like, right there. Okay. So yes, like again, same, similar like what you're saying. He has the acting chops. He's been doing, you know, he can, he can take those types of serious roles. So I was going to say I'll have him as my leader. And, you know, again, certain qualms. And as you said, you know, the way he, you know, conducted himself, wait a minute, I, I didn't leave, I left this world this particular way. Why is it like this type of scenario? You know, he has those type of, that could be like not even comedic type of timing, but I can see him, you know, saying that. So that's why he he's he is my guy. And that's wow, that. That's funny. So we, we both picked actors from the Prince of Persia, Sand of Time. Now, when you it. said that, that's why I was like, I, had, I found it just before you. I was like, yes, it's Jake. Can I get I was like, right. And All you right. said Sand of Time. I was like, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. That okay, so if I got it right in the rundown, so you're Commander Arcturius Rand, Space Glider. For you, it's Jake. Jake Gyllenhaal. For me, it's Zac mm -hmm. Efron. For Princess right. Mary, you're going with... I was going, because it's voiceover, I was going with Free Summer. Yeah, that's fine. And I was mm -hmm. going with Gemma uh, Arturiton. Okay, right. and then for a Croyer, you went with... I went with Idris. Idris Alba, I'm going with Kevin Gervaux. Okay, and then for Bug, you had... I had Sith Rogan. Okay, and I had uh, 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 Andrew Poggi. And then yep. finally, you know, as I said, for Myotron, I had Peter Dinklage. And Microtron, I had Simon Pegg. I know I went the extra mile. So, yes. <laughs> there you go. All right. Wow. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to hearing me just finally ramble and get this <laughs> out there. We fan casted the Micronauts, said what I wasn't keen on about this quantum universe business. And how this can tie in a lot. And keep in mind, I mean, please read the books. There's so much out there. And Micronauts, I mean, they crisscross, you know, the Hasbro universe. They're supposed to be bringing them back with Hasbro with their own projects. The Micronauts have teamed up with, you know, depending on which company you can follow. If you follow uh, as a IEW and so forth, whoever had the property, there were some changes, we know. Uh, but they've got ties to the X-Men, the, you know, Ant-Man from the Avengers. They, right. they teamed up with Nightcrawler from the X-Men. This that was so X-Men, Avengers, Fantastic Four. There's a whole issue where they run around with Franklin from the Fantastic Four. You know, and they've teamed up with multiple, multiple, multiple heroes and tied them in. Alpha Flight, 
That's right, the Canadian superhero team, Alpha Flight, they're there. So Micronauts have been there for a long time. If we can kind of get everyone together on the same page, and I'm talking not the writers, I'm talking strictly who owns what. The toy companies own certain aspects of the IP. Marvel owns a couple of aspects of the IP. Uh, Somebody else owns IP. So this is why it always comes out, and you always seem like you're always missing somebody. Everyone has to get together. As I like to say in wrestling, come on, man, let's put our differences together. Let's do some business, all right? Mm. Do that business. If you don't know how to business, you're going to lose out. And this will be a prime time to do it. It'd be a nice shift to see that in the micro, sorry, in the, the MCU coming out, in my opinion. That's that. Any last words, Rod, before uh, we you shut this Listen. one down? Um, listen, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being with us today. Uh, as you can tell, there's a lot of passion in the Micronaut world. Just saying it just like that. But yes, listen, um, I hope you, you hope you gathered a lot of stuff out of this. You know, it was great. I, again, I like the characters. Um, it's a whole round of different, you know, how the best way of thinking. When you're looking for the the odd family of different, you know, people coming together and basically kind of like what Barry just said, you, you know, put your differences aside and come together. This team came together and basically picked themselves up, you know, one by one and realized we can work together. Well, we can work together and then fight off whatever villain is coming after them by the name, you know, well, well we got into that. But I like this and I hope you like it because as we, Barry was basically saying, there's enough being on this bone that we can connect this to the MCU very easily. You know, Barry didn't really go into too tough, super tough, but he did say Ant-Man and the Quantum Realm. Where do you think Jane Dye was there for the uh, for the past uh, 20 plus years? We'll leave that for you to think about. We might have Just to do a part two on this. We may have to. We may have to. And intertwine back too, and just make the similarity and the connections. And now, yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're doing that, ladies and gentlemen. We're doing that. Just don't worry about it. We're doing that. It's coming down the pipeline. Maybe even sooner than you think. That note. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Remember, like, subscribe, and share. Rate and review. And please join and keep and and keep us going uh, as much as we love doing this show. This whole world, as I said earlier, was started by a pencil, a piece of paper, and lots of imagination. Keep on dreaming. Out. Let's go. Some patients in my backyard. I gotta go see what's going on there. Where's my flight spotter? Pew pew. Ooh.